0: okay welcome everybody to Tuesday night live stream service and uh, again this extraordinary time that we are in and it's uh, so incredibly important that we are in the Word of God on a regular basis at this time seeking the Lord uh, together and Seeing what he, he's obviously saying something really unique during this time, and uh, we are uh, seeking him, I'm seeking him, and I just believe he has a word uh, for tonight from First Samuel. Uh, Jeff, do you want me with this, or this is not necessary? Just keep it close. Okay. okay, well I tell you what, what I'd like to do uh, to begin is I'd just like to pray now, and then uh, after prayer just like to share a few thoughts and then we can get into our then we can get into our message which is going to be in first Samuel chapter 13 and 14 we're going through first Samuel we're actually going through the the Bible chapter by chapter verse by verse Uh, we sure don't want to stop now if we ever needed the Lord before we sure do need him now that's one of my Uh, It's probably my family's number one uh, song that we sing together, and so we uh, seek the Lord uh, in His Word. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can be with you now, and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would uh, just guide us to that place where we are uh, really... Just hearing your voice, Lord, both in the Word of God and by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, once again, as we prayed last Sunday morning, we thank you for for humbling us. We thank you for getting us to this place where truly we understand that uh, we are as nothing before you, Lord. And that we are not only weak we're completely helpless but Lord we praise you today because your word says that you don't leave us helpless you don't leave us as orphans in fact it says in your word in the book of Micah it says that you delight in showing mercy you delight Lord in uh, speaking to us you say in your word in the Psalms you say you say to your people, open your mouths wide and I will pour in. And, and Lord, that uh, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to open our mouths wide. And Lord, ask you to pour in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I would just like to begin with uh, just a couple words of reminders. Uh, because we're in this extraordinary season that we're in, uh, the byword that we uh, have been the last couple of uh, Sunday mornings in the book of Romans, uh, that the verse that we've really focused on more than any other is Ephesians chapter 5. And I, I, it's one of the, the season that we're in, I can't remind you enough to take note um, of, of these two verses, verse 15 and 17. And allow them just to do a sobering work uh, in your life it says in uh, verse 15 Paul the Apostle Paul says see then that you walk circumspectly which means very carefully not as fools but as wise mm-hmm. understanding verse 17 says what the will of the Lord is and so uh, I I just feel as Uh, the pastor of of Calvary Chapel in the city, your pastor, to remind you of two things during this time, so important. One, um, when we're seeking the Lord for wisdom of how to respond, who to be during these times. First, uh, two things, uh, how not to respond, one with religious fanaticism throughout the world, uh, throughout history, I love history, and it's hard reading history sometimes though. One of the things that you read um, in history is oftentimes in times of crisis You do have religious fanaticism don't want to don't want to uh, be a part of that at all uh, I heard a Christian uh, here recently say uh, for example that well he, he, he he's not s- uh, afraid in the slightest um, of the coronavirus and he uh was proceeding to heartily shake people's hands and uh, you know to that I would say yes that that's th- that I would characterize that as a extreme religious response um, in addition to possibly warning this person of, of pride and and maybe a heart that lacks of love, it's also a lack of wisdom uh, the issue is not, it, the issue for him, the issue for me, I have no fear at all of getting coronavirus. Um, what I, I, I don't think that's when the government is talking to us about things like don't do those things, like shake hands. It's not so much as me getting coronavirus. It's if I get it, I don't want to be passing it on to five people who each pass it on to five people, and eventually um, it gets to high-risk people and kills them. And so, again... Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 uh, don't walk as a fool but walk as wise um, and then the the opposite side of the spectrum is uh, getting caught up in fear and uh, I don't know what to, to say uh, with that one to overemphasize uh, the fact that um, just was in my own Bible study this morning It says in uh, Romans chapter uh, 8, verses 15, that you were not given a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And so uh, I just have to plead with you. If you have your eyes hooked into the news, in my opinion, for anything more than, much more than a half an hour, what you're doing is you're feeding your flesh the flesh loves fear (laughs) the flesh loves conspiracy theories Um, we're told to fix our eyes on on the Lord and so I just plead with you during this time uh, now let's just segue into the people what our response should be during this time as much as any other time we have opportunities to be in the Word and in prayer. Some of us have much more time than we previously did, than perhaps in our whole life. <laughs> and so, uh, rather than gluing yourself to Facebook or social media or um, or the any media for that matter, uh, it's it's better to glue yourself on the Word of God. We have an the entire Old Testament and probably most of the New Testament, um, online, our teachings uh, through the Bible. And uh, I strongly encourage you to fill yourself up with the Word of God. Remember, uh, another thing that we've gone back, uh, gone over over and again since we've started this is the Lord has spoke to me so clearly that this is a time of strengthening in our church. And how are we going to be strengthened? More time with each other. In a very different way but um uh through uh through zoom or technology live stream this type of thing or the phone or whatever or whatsapp but um also just being in the word of god so again our response during this time uh first peter one twenty two is the verse that i really want us to focus on it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And this again, if you were with us Sunday morning, it's a time of severe crisis, exponentially greater than the t- crisis that we're in. Many, many Christians being killed at this time. Family members dragged away and slaughtered. And uh, what Peter says uh, during that time, 1 Peter 1, he says, Through the Spirit, in sincere love, He says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Fervently, that word in the Greek meaning stretched out. Some people think it means uh, a love that boils, a real intense time. And uh, so important to do that because what we find in these times is, 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 as we said on Sunday morning, the first thing often that goes in times of crisis is love. I was uh, uh, looking at um, right before I was came on here. I just wanted to see if there was any new news. It's important, by the way, to not to completely avoid the news because that's another form of religious legalism or, or fanaticism or or just that. That's just religious. Uh, what I would call lack of wisdom or, or that type of thing. But and Reuters it says that from sidewalks. Um, Actually, the the title was uh, People Are Becoming Unglued During These Times, and it says, from from sidewalk shouting matches to politically fueled online sniping, tempers show signs of fraying in response to the coronavirus pandemic, and we don't want to have any part of that. We want to be like uh, Philippians chapter 2. Another verse we've been coming back to a lot. Shining is lights. In the midst of a twisted generation and so love each other fervently love each other fervently and I was I've been reflecting on that and I sort of uh, brought this up in the message on Sunday morning you know I I have a couple of adult children and uh, they have from time to time been coming over to the house they don't live at my house they've been coming over and um, I accept them with open arms and uh, you may have someone in your life um, that, uh, who is living all alone with no fellowship at all in their home. Um, and you may want to consider inviting them into your home to be a part of your life. A, I mentioned Boston public uh, stu- BPS students, uh, fit, over 50,000 pouring onto the streets. You may know one from a broken home that you... Out of fervent love, need to invite into your home. You may need, uh, know an international student uh, that you may in, uh, invite during this time into your home. Of course, with with reasonable precautions. You don't want to invite someone in your home that's sick, or if you're someone in your home is sick, you don't want to invite them in. The best place for sick people now is in the hospital. That we have we have uh, resources to. To accommodate them and so we don't want to be as fools but at the same time we need to love each other fervently so that person who's living all alone that you know might you want to make them a part of your life in in your home a one or two people uh, this type of thing Uh, God forbid during this time which I remember after 9-11 the mental illness uh, went through the roof. God forbid during this time that um, those dying from suicide above the regular suicide rate exceed those dying from coronavirus. Look, just, just we don't want that happening. And so we do need to love each other fervently with reasonable precautions during this time. And, and if you can't invite someone... In your home for whatever reason uh, be reaching out to them uh, through text look my message may change in two days from now the 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 president may want to or the governor may want to have a total travel ban but in the meantime people are suffering particularly people who live all alone I personally am blessed with different people in my family in my home so uh, love each other fervently can I give one more piece of practical advice um, before um, I get to uh, a couple of quick announcements get some exercise uh, the, the your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and there's that there's that I, I don't know exactly where to draw the line but there is a connection between the physical and the spiritual so as your pastor I'm saying please get exercise uh, the exercise that your heart can take um, so don't forget that uh, so Again, each day you have opportunities that you may not have had before uh, to join us in Zoom meetings and other meetings. Tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. I'm uh, leading a a prayer. But tomorrow, uh, later on uh, in the day tomorrow, I am going to be uh, going to the Cape Cod Canal underneath the Bourne Bridge, 21 Bourne Bridge uh, Road, Bourne, Massachusetts. Been going there since I was about six months old. (laughs) <laughs> probably uh, younger than that and uh, go. we're going to be going in separate cars we're going to take reasonable precautions and we're just going to be going out in a prayer walk um, if you'd like to uh, join me at that time uh, inborn it's about an hour away from Boston um, I will be there at 11 a.m. waiting for anyone who'd like to go and of course we're going to be doing social distancing and all that stuff but uh, going out groups of two and three on a very wide path that's right along the Cape God Canal, which usually has a brisk wind. So although it's in the uh, low 50s, uh, you better bring something because uh, that wind right on the ocean can be uh, oftentimes make, makes things colder than it really is. We need to be using these opportunities just for creative ways um, to continue seeking the Lord together. And so um, that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. If you're interested, Please email the church or email my uh, private email address if you have it. And um, if you need a ride to get there, we'll figure out a way. Just uh, email me and we'll figure out a way to get you there. But each night, Danielle uh, is going to be, uh, Danielle, the church admin, is going to be uh, emailing to the church the events for the next day. Please join all of them. Um, especially Dan DeHart on Thursday night who's also going through 1st Samuel and maybe he can uh, Correct any mistakes that I make now uh, Just kidding because I think he's in a different place But uh, Dan if you want to skip to where I'm at and make a, a correction, please do but why don't we? Uh, I don't think there's anything else. Why don't we now get into 1st Samuel and we were, are going to be in 1st Samuel chapter 13 First Samuel chapter 13. Elise can you get me a glass of water? First Samuel chapter 13 we've already prayed why not pray brief briefly again Father again fill it fill me with the Holy Spirit fill us with the Holy Spirit to receive your word. Okay, I do believe that if, uh, here in 1 Samuel 13, there's, there's a word for us for right where we are at. What, where have we been? It has been a few weeks since we've been in uh, 1 Samuel. Well, Saul has been made king of Israel. He was um, a king that the Israelites cried out for. They wanted a king that resembled the king of other nations. They didn't want a king like the king, uh, like the kind of king God wanted. That will be David, who succeeds Saul. But they wanted a king who resembled, they were very specific, like all the other nations. Actually, God didn't want, God wanted himself to be king. Uh, they didn't want that either they wanted uh, flesh and bones and so um he started off real well in first samuel chapter 11 he has a a great victory there he's filled with the holy spirit it says um, but it was a rapid down it's going to be a rapid downhill tragic story from this point forward I, now i want to remind you what happened in um, the beginning of chapter 13. We were in the first uh, 15 verses um, of, we finished up in the first 15 verses of 1 Samuel chapter uh, 15. Uh, Rather, 1 Samuel chapter 13, uh, last time we were in it. Um, What's happened here is Saul's son, Jonathan, who is a tremendous man of God, Uh, Kind of like Boaz, kind of like Daniel, kind of like Joseph. There's a fair amount written about him. Never anything bad, which is very much exception in the Bible, right? Abraham, uh, Moses, David, there's things written about him that are not so good. That's the thing I love about the Bible, because we know that we we do things that are not so good or really not so good. But there's grace anyway. But um, Jonathan, just uh, a tremendous uh, man of God. And uh, it says that uh, in in chapter 13, uh, verse uh, 3, it says that Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. So uh, it was the the Philistines were one of the people groups that were, uh, they, they worshiped foreign gods, they lived very, very wicked lives. Their religious practices were, uh, were extremely evil. And uh, they had, because of the sin of Israel in the time of the Judges, in the time of the Judges, remember Judges precedes First Samuel. Uh, it's Ruth and the Judges. And at the end of Judges, it says at the time of the Judges, it just says that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And during that time, God used many... Uh, enemies, foreign enemies, to attack Israel, to chasten it, to discipline Israel. Um, uh, uh, eventually the Philistines would be completely defeated under David, uh, but they're very much an enemy um, at the time of Israel. And we read in verse 3 of chapter 13 that um, the, the Philistines actually occupied part of Israel. There are these things that called garrisons, which kind of outposts, and they would just send little uh, little militia outposts um, in to live in the uh, middle of the land of Israel and one of the pl- in, in one of the places uh, the Philistines had a garrison a military outpost and there would probably be I don't know 50 to 150 soldiers at least at these different outposts uh, and they would just go into God's the the, the land of Israel uh, that that God had appointed for Israel and they would just plant their military there. And this very much offended Jonathan and we'll see more of that in chapter 14. And it says in verse 3 that he attacked um, this city called Geba. He attacked it and where the Philistines were in. Now, Geba, importantly, is inside of Israel. Now, one of the wonderful things of living in the year 2020, we complain all the time about, oh, it used to be better in the old days. We shouldn't, but we, we do. Uh, but uh, is we have these Bible study tools like Blue Letter Bible where you can just put that word Geba in and you can be thinking, why did he attack Geba? Is there something about Geba that he attacked? Hmm, well, then you're looking Blue Letter Bible or whatever Bible tool you use. And so I stuck it in there and I did a search and sure enough, and I find this, wow, this is, a, this is just a nugget right there in the scripture. I found that Geba was one of the 48 cities in Israel that had been designated as a city for the priests of Israel. And it had been occupied by the Philistines. This really offended this man of God, Jonathan. And um, what you will see at the beginning of any time where God starts doing a move, um, you will see uh, the Lord first uh, strengthening the class of people, whoever that may be, who are teachers and preachers of the Word of God. Because that's those people get sent out, and if, if you have, what did John Wesley say, give me 70 uh, men of God who uh, hate sin but love the Lord and I will change uh, the entire United Kingdom. Uh, if you can just train uh, enough men and women in the Word of God at a time where the people of God are in a low, 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 low place, which they were at this time, remember we're just coming out of the book of Judges, that's going to begin, that'll be the beginning of revival in the land. And so, uh, interestingly, in my Bible study recently, uh, I was in, I was in, uh, uh, in Chronicles, just studying uh, Hezekiah, and it's, Hezekiah was, there was many good kings in Israel, there was, uh, rather, there was A few good kings in Israel. There were many, many bad kings. Hezekiah was one of the good kings. So David was the first good king. Uh, There was about 350, 400 years of kings. I think maybe eight or nine of them were good. Most of them were bad. One of the best was Hezekiah. And perhaps the most significant, widespread, profound revival uh, after David was Hezekiah. And 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 Hezekiah, and rather Second Chronicles thirty one, and uh, yeah, just chapter thirty one. What you'll see when Hezekiah soon after he took power from his father Ahaz, who by the way was one of the most wicked kings who had ever been in Israel. Uh, one of the things that Hezekiah did as soon as he took power was to command that the people of Jerusalem. Uh, come in and support the priests and the Levites. And what happens there? In this beautiful, uh, these beautiful verses in 2 Chronicles 31, 4, uh, verse 4, verse 6, um, and and verse 15, it says that uh, the people of Israel brought provisions um, from all around Judah uh, and. Uh, They brought in a tithe of oxen and sheep, and they were distributed to all the Levites and the priests. And that was the beginning of a great revival, because you can't have revival unless you have men and women who know the Word of God. And so one of the big problems in the time of the Book of Judges was what? We read about it in the story of Micah, uh, which was is that around chapter 16, 17, something like that of Judges, where priests were just roaming the land and there was a priest who, uh, he didn't know anything about the Word of God and he was just hired and and, and priests were unemployed. Because why? Because the nation was so low. And um, and the na- why was the nation low? It was because there were not Levites and priests who were trained in the Word of God. So John back in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Jonathan attacks uh, Giba and uh, At that point it says that the Philistines heard about that and at this time the to the Philistines the the Hebrews were like they were like so much rubbish people and they no way they were gonna let that happen. So verse 5 says that uh, the the um, Philistines gathered and uh, there were so many there are as many as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. In other words, you couldn't count them. You couldn't count them. It's like, wait a second, Jonathan. Why did you do this? Look what you've done. Well, it's because we'll see. Jonathan was... Uh, he had a prophetic spirit in him and he, he, was, a man of, uh, he was a man of God. And, uh, and uh, the, the people uh, were terrified. It says at the end of verse 7, the people followed Saul trembling. And so at the time, people would have been thinking, wow, you know, Jonathan, what a fool. Look what he's done. But he was a man who understood what the will of the Lord was, uh, is, is really what had happened. Um, and so um, the the what happened at the end of uh, rest of chapter 13 is, the Philistines gathered, so Saul calls the people to, uh, together uh, and to, to fight against them, and uh, he had been told, wait seven days, wait for Samuel is going to come, and he's going to do a burnt offering and a peace offering before you go into battle. Uh, as we uh, learned a few weeks ago, the last time we were in this chapter, Saul doesn't wait, and uh, he... As soon as he saw the people beginning, his soldiers beginning to scatter, he said, I can't wait for Samuel. And even though he was not a priest, um, he uh, says in verse nine, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings. And he himself um, offered a burnt offering. Now we went into a lot of detail with this last time, gigantic problems with doing this. Uh, He's not a priest. And in Leviticus 8 and 9, there were many requirements of the priests before they ever offered anything on the altar. And remember, all those offerings on the altar, the sheep, the goats, the, the bulls, they were all a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ himself. And to approach that altar without the proper procedure uh, as priests, priests had to go through uh, sin offerings; they had to go through washings and other things. Uh, that would be the equivalent of approaching the consuming fire, God. Our God is a consuming fire. Without, without the protection of Jesus Christ, and we actually saw that in Leviticus, didn't we? Right after the in Leviticus eight and nine, where the 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 requirements to be a priest were laid out. Well, a couple of those uh, uh, guys thought they could approach um, even though they were, not, um, th- they were uh, not asked to approach. And the fire of God came out from the um, altar uh, to destroy them. But um, Saul just says he, he's scared because the people are, are, are scattering. So I know I'm not a priest. I'm just going to go and do it anyway. Uh, Samuel gets there. What have you done? Uh, Samuel, uh, why? Rather, Samuel said to Saul, "What have you done?" And and Saul says, "Well, when I saw the people scattering, um, I just did it anyway. And this is going to be um, a a pattern in Saul's uh, life that we will talk more um, a little bit later about this evening. And and at that point, Samuel says uh, to him in verse thirteen, he says, to "Saul, you've done." foolishly you've done foolishly and he says in verse 14 now your kingdom shall not continue the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart who the Lord has commanded to be commander over his people Israel in your place Saul. And one of, the, one of the beautiful, beautiful things I like about that verse in verse 14, that's a reference, of course, to King David, who's the man after God's own heart. Guess how old David is at this time? Well, uh, since I can't hear your response, um, I will just uh, venture, um, he's something like eight years old. And this is just a beautiful thing. He hasn't been anointed yet. Uh, Samuel hasn't anointed David, but he's just... A little boy it's probably just started he just started um, helping out helping his older brothers out with the sheep he's just being trained but the Lord's already separated them and it's like that with you he's all he separated you long before you gave your life to the Lord and 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 he has uh, drawn you in uh, Christianity is not a man uh, Is not a religion which religion is man-initiated Christianity is relationship and it's all God-initiated so I love this picture he's saying this about the time David's maybe eight years old he he may have even been younger Um, but the Lord knew the Lord knew at the time Uh, and then it says that um, at that time uh, Samuel arose and he went to Gilgal and it says at the end of verse 15 that Saul numbered the people Present with them, and there was about 600 men. So let's continue. Let's pick up now verse um, by verse. It says Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with him remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. And then the raiders out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies uh, started to come, and so they weren't happy. Uh, They weren't weren't happy that some upstart, uh, we know that that upstart was uh, this uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, uh, attacked and apparently defeated the garrison in Gera and freed it up for the priests to do what they were supposed to be doing. And they start these raiding companies. It says at the middle of verse 17, one company turned on the road to Ophrah, the other to Shual, another turned to Road to Beth Oren and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks uh, the valley of Zebuim toward the wilderness so that they, they're not going to have uh, these upstart Hebrews uh, start um, taking over any part of the land or uh, messing with them. And uh, so they start pouring into the land. Remember, this is a company of soldiers more than can be numbered by the sands. Um, uh, s- sands You know, by the sea, um, but also there's thousands of chariots. Now that's very significant because of the next verse. Verse 19 says of 1 Samuel 13, Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for this Philistine said, Lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. So the Philistines basically controlled the land. And would not allow blacksmiths in the land, so um, Israelites had no swords. Verse twenty. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. So pay attention to what with that verse. What that verse just said. It said there's no blacksmiths in the land where they could uh, they could. Sharpen their own instruments or make their own farming instruments such as sickles and plowshares in order to do that They had to travel all the way to the land of the Philistines So the Philistines were controlling Israel at this point You couldn't even be a blacksmith and get away with it before the Philistine secret police showed up at your uh, Your business and shut you down Um, and it says there in verse 21 and the charge for sharpening um, was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the sh- the forks, and the axes, and t- to set the points of the goads. Uh, so it came about on the day of battle. Remember, it's 600 men. Uh, it says there was 600 men in verse 15 against as men, uh, it, it, 600 men Hebrews against Philistines that were as the sand on the seashore in multitude, as well as thousands of chariots. And it says, verse 22, it came about on the day of battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Uh, And so it was thousands of armed Philistines, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, with iron chariots against an Israelite army of 600 and only two of them had swords. The rest of them had their sickles. That was it. Now, I do think it's worth thinking about when we consider times like this that in a very great way, this is the best place to be is the people of God. We're in a great place right now, in a very real sense, because we're weak, we're helpless because of this coronavirus outbreak and um, uh, what the government ha- has ordered us to do, which we're complying with because we honor and, and actually we pray for it and and we want to bless the government. We don't want to be a curse to them. We wanna we don't want to be religious fanatics. We want to say uh, we don't we don't say we're above it. No, we want to honor them better than anyone. Actually. That, that's part of our witness, um, but but we're in a time of great weakness now, where in a sense we just have our sickles, <laughs> and, and and that's it, and we're not trained warriors. The Israelites were not, and we're like, okay, Lord, what do we do with this sickle in our hand? That's where we are right now, um, in, in the midst of this coronavirus outbreak. In a sense, it's a great place to be because the Bible really clear. That when we understand our weakness but our hearts are fully devoted to the Lord we are more than conquerors and 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 and, and our battle of course is not against flesh and blood it's against uh, the principalities and powers of the air it's against Ephesians 6 says the evil rulers of darkness and and, and Jesus says that um, the gates of hell will not prevail against us in a time where we know our weakness, which is right now. I hope you're there. Uh, I, 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 by the grace of God, I think I'm there. That man, we're weak uh, in where we are here on. Is it March seventeenth? Is that the day, uh, two thousand twenty? And uh, but yet, fully surrendered to the Lord, and we're going to see a great victory here in Israel, and all they have are sickles and plowshares. Uh, the, you know, the plowshares were. Instruments of farming that they used to plow. That's all they had. Only two people, Saul and Jonathan, had a sword. And so, in a sense, they're in a great, great place. They're in a great place. So let us continue here in First Samuel 14. We're going to get to. Uh, I have two life verses. One is Psalm 25 verse 3, which says, "No one who waits on the Lord will be put to shame." And the other is First Samuel 14:6. So. I am incredibly excited that we're coming upon this verse. That's uh, my life verse, 1 Samuel 14, 6. But let's start in verse 1. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migrant. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod, but the people did not know that jonathan had gone now the ephod remember was what the high priest um, wore and then the high priest also had a breastplate of judgment inside of the judgment was breastplate of judgment was the urim and the thuman which in the book of um, exodus uh, god commanded moses um to to put the urim and the thuman and the breastplate of 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 judgment of the high priest and they would actually use the urim and the thuman they were apparently different colored stone to determine the will of god today we have something so much better anyone want to shout it out sorry i can't hear you but it's we're the temple of the holy spirit we don't need the urim and the thummim the bible says in 1 corinthians 3 and 1 corinthians chapter 6 we're the temple of the holy spirit but the high priest um, was wearing the ephod and that was a way of directing the reader to he had the ability at this time to determine the will of god um, and, and 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 it says in the next verse verse 4 between the passes by which jonathan sought to go over to the philistines garrison there was a sharp sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side and the name of one was bozes and the name of the other was Sina. The front of one meaning so there so think of two cliffs the Philistines are on one cliff the uh, the Israelites are on the other the other cliff Um, that there's a garrison of uh, Philistines on the one cliff, probably with about a hundred and fifty soldiers somewhere in the vicinity there's other Philistines close by there's other Philistines uh numbering as the uh the sand on the seashore but jonathan's on one cliff this garrison this outpost, is on the other in between them was a ravine i'm actually where i go to in dover on our uh, to to pray uh, nearby here in boston on some of our prayer and fasting walks there's something very similar to this where there's a cliff there's a ravine and then there's 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 another cliff and so jonathan's looking out and he and his armor bearer, um, his, the ar- armor bearer at the time was uh, someone who actually went with a warrior into battle and blocked the opposing uh, warriors, just swords and other things, and tried to do what he could to defend um, the, the, the person with the, uh, that he was um, an armor bearer for. And so um, his, he and his armor bearer, are there and they're looking it says again verse 5 the front of one face northward opposite mishmash the other southward uh, towards Gibeah and and then verse 6 says this is a life verse of mine uh, that I have had um, for the last 20 years um, up in my office um, which overlooks the city of Boston beautiful of my devotion times I've had this verse there we uh, we, we, we recently, we painted it last year, and so the verse is down, it's sitting down, I've got to put it back up, but uh, this is the verse, verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. I'm going to repeat that, the quote. Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And so here you have a contrast between Jonathan and his armor bearer and Saul, who the verse 2 says he's underneath the pomegranate tree and he's kind of paralyzed. Uh, it, it says that the, the, it had previously said the people were, were trembling. Uh, it actually it says that yeah, it says that they were trembling previously and Such an important verse for you and me at this particular time where there's a good part of our land is trembling There's a lot of the body of Christ that are trembling. There's no need That you should be trembling Because as it says in Romans chapter 8 you haven't been given a spirit of bondage again to to fear, but a spirit that cries out to God, I'm a Father. Uh, but the contrast is this. Most of Israel, at this time, is looking at their God in light of their circumstances. And by that I mean, they're looking at their circumstances and they're like, terrible. They, they have just, you know, sickles and uh, and plowshares And the enemy is very well armored and they have swords, they have chariots and they're numbered as uh, sand on the seashore and they're trembling in fear. And so those are the circumstances and they're interpreting God in light of their circumstances, meaning God must be a small God. Jonathan, on the other hand, he seems to be the only one that is looking at his circumstances in light of who God is, in light of who the, the Moses and had written the first five books of, of the Bible. They're, they're available at this time. Jonathan is familiar with the promises of, of God. And, and there are wonderful promises there that, that, that God is, is El Shaddai. He is Almighty God. Uh, in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 15, I believe, um, it, 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 that's the character of, of God. In, in, Gen- uh, in Exodus chapter 6, uh, God s- uh, says to Moses, he says, go back to the children of Israel who were under slavery in the land of Egypt and say, I will be your God and I will deliver you. And so Jonathan seems to be the only one looking at the circumstances in light of God. In light of who God is, He is God Almighty, and so same thing with you and me during this time. Let us please not interpret our um, our circumstances. Uh, look at look at look at first. Look at God in light of all of our th- circumstances, and define who He is by our circumstances. Oh, what? no one knows how the the, the the cure to coronavirus, no one knows that they, they don't have a vaccine. Um, we, we better run for the hills and hide out in caves. No, we don't want to be like that. Absolutely not. Because our God is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. Uh, this is uh, just so, so much about who the Lord is um, just in this Uh, in this, this verse. To Jonathan, the only thing that matters to him at this point, and the only thing that should matter to you right now, is whose side is God on? Because, as you've probably heard before, God plus one is a majority. God plus zero is a majority. And he has rightly interpreted the will of God that God is on the side of Israel. How do I know that? He says in verse 6, Let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised. And that is a way of saying at the time that these people worship foreign gods. These people, their religious practices are exceedingly, exceedingly wicked in the eyes of God. And they're coming out And they have occupied an outpost all around Israel. And and he's saying this doesn't make any sense. And he rightly interprets the will of God here, that God wants to rid the land of this influence of these people. Come, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord. From saving by many or by few it's a great passage in times like these if, if you're struggling with your faith just to, to allow this just open up your open up your heart and allow the allow the passage just to rebuke your faith and you know, someone sent me a dear sister sent me a, a, a her devotional from from yesterday and it was all about, you need to know what your fears are, and it's very important during this time that you know what your fears are because they reveal who you are. And the devotional writer just pointed out that, look, if in this time you are really trembling because you're, you're fearing death, well then God has, in His mercy, revealed Himself, something in your heart that's really, really wrong. Uh, Paul says in, his, in in his epistles I'd rather be with the Lord and he says we need to fix our eyes on heaven set your mind on things above and not things of the earth where Christ is Colossians 3 1 sitting at the right hand of God and then if it's just in case we didn't hear he repeats the exact same thing in verse 2 set your mind on things above not on things of the earth Same thing, if in this time you're fearing losing all your financial possessions, God in His mercy is revealing Himself to you that you have your eyes on the wrong thing. Please get your eyes off of mammon, off of money. It has become an idol to you. God owns all the money on on planet earth and, and, and all the resources of the entire universe. And, and this is a time for our strengthening, brothers and sisters, to allow God to uh, reveal our fears and, and say, yes, Lord, I repent. I have had my mind on my own life. Uh, I, I've been more, more care about saving my own life than, than loving you, Lord, and loving your people. And I, 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 have, I have my heart more shed on finances than I have on you, Lord, who own the finances. Uh, And so, uh, just a wonderful passage to rebuke rebuke our unbelief and our lack of faith. And the Bible does say, without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And I don't know about you, but I want to please God. I want to please Him during this season. I want to please my Lord. And I want to use this time as every opportunity to expose that which is in my heart, which does not please him. And so uh, let's continue here in verse 7. It says, so Jonathan's armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you. According to your heart. I don't know about you, but that melts my heart as much as verse 6 does. What a tremendous man of God. It's interesting that men of God often know who to surround themselves with because they're filled with the Spirit. I don't know what Jonathan where Jonathan got this guy, but praise the Lord. I am so thankful for the elders at Calvary Chapel in the city. Just, just for the last couple of weeks as we try to get together. And, and look, we're, we're helpless. We don't know what we're doing. But he has, he's brought men of God to, to minister with me um, that they're like this. They've sought the Lord. And, and we all try to find a consensus of heart together. And so it's a heart mounter. Verse 7, just do it. I trust you. He had obviously seen this guy's character. He's, he knows that this is not a religious fanatic. He knows that this is a man of God. And, and this is what happens when you start living by the Spirit people will start following you. And, and, and that's what happens here uh, in verse 7. Let's continue. Verse 8, Then Jonathan said, said, Very well then, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will uh, stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up. For the lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us verse 11 so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the philistines and the philistines said look the hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden of course there's just two of them but the philistines already the lord is just putting fear in their hearts uh, and that's what he so often does with the enemies of god he puts fear in their hearts Verse 12, it says, Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you something. Which is um, exactly what the, uh, Jonathan had asked the Lord for for some guidance. Remember, he said to his armor-bearer, Look, if they say come up to us, we'll know the Lord wants us to come up to him. But if they say, we're going to come down to you, well, it's probably premature kicking all these Philistines out. A very important principle here that, um, you know, on, on, on Sunday mornings we have been studying getting to know the will of God in those times where we don't necessarily, cannot necessarily find the answer um we don't necessarily find the answer right in the Word of God. Like, should I quit my job and start a new one or something like this? Should I move away? Um, and so, uh, there, in, in the sermon, we had brought up the acronym STRONG that um, uh, piggybacking off of, our, or the thrust of the sermon was Romans chapter uh, 12, verses 1 and 2, which says, off your lives as living sacrifices, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test what God's perfect will is for your life. And so, we, in those times where we don't know exactly what the will of God is, use the acronym STRONG. And I, str- I strongly uh, recommend that you go listen to the sermon. I believe it's February 23. Um, I don't know that it's posted yet, under the Sunday morning sermons uh, audio, but the video is, it's there under the Sunday morning videos, it's right there. It's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It's not Romans 12, verse 1, that was the previous week. I believe it's February 23. It's February 23, Sunday morning. I went through this whole strong acronym S, a surrendered life, T, a transformed mind, R, a revelation by the Holy Spirit, zero others' opinions. N, no peace. G, God initiated signs. If you want, please, uh, if you haven't seen that, please go to the sermons uh, on video for Sunday morning. It's up there right now. I believe we'll be getting the audio up there shortly as well. But um, I can't see your hands, but does anyone know what this is when Jonathan says, Look, I believe I know the will of God, but. Let's test the will of God. Let's just—I don't want to—I don't want to be a religious fanatic and say I am absolutely 100% sure th- that I heard. I want to—I want to test the will of God. Um, what is He doing there? in that acronym—is it S? Is it T? Is it R? Is it O? It's N or G. Anyone? It's G. God initiated signs, and if you remember the sermon, usually you got to look for a pattern of signs, and this. Circumstance there's not there's not time for a pattern um, and, and and this is a so actually the 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 sign that he asked for the sign that he wanted was um, Look if they if they asked us to come on up and attack them We'll know it's the God, It's the Lord and, and, and why might he have said that Well, because that's unusual I mean the, the, the Philistines know the Israelites are unarmed and uh, it's more likely that they would rush down and, and try to kill Jonathan. They didn't do that. And so Jonathan is testing the will of the Lord here. And so this is an important principle that I didn't get uh, into too much. I was going to save it for the, uh, uh, another uh, supplemental sermon that when you know the will of the Lord, when you feel like you know it, there are some times that we get our timing wrong. There are times that we get our timing wrong. Uh, I remember when I first went to, uh, first got the call of God to go up to Boston. And I really believed, I was, I was born here in Boston, but moved away when I was nine, spent summers here. And I uh, was recently married. I was 25 years old, and I was hearing, go to Boston. And I sent all the resumes I could think of and did everything I could to get up here. Every door was shut. The problem is I was six years off. I was a younger believer. I got the timing wrong. And so at the time when the door shut, I said, okay, I believe I'm supposed to go to Boston, but I'm going to put this on the shelf and I'm just going to to seek and serve the Lord now. And that's what I did. Recently, I believe with all my heart I was supposed to go down to Caracas, Venezuela, which was, you know, some, in the natural, it's a kind of a crazy thing because of the, uh, what's going on down there and, and the situation between the United States and Venezuela, but I was sure I was supposed to go. It looked like there was a high likelihood that our visa uh, to go was not going to be accepted by the Venezuelan embassy but i just knew i was going i was i was literally even preparing sermons uh, just the 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 week before i was going preparing for sermons that i was going to be giving the next week and um as it turns out the visa was not approved when i thought i could when i thought it was supposed to and um i was like well this is strange because i thought for sure i was supposed to go well uh, the visa was approved two days later, so I went down the following week. The reason I bring that up is I got my timing off that time by one week. I'm still trying to get my timing right. <laughs> I, years ago, I was six years off. I'm still not. I'm still not perfect. But sometimes we need. To, sometimes there's just some practical things that we can do to test the will of the Lord. So if you feel like the Lord has has told you something and you and it seems crazy, there are ways to test it. Now I did bring up one of them, which is. The O and strong is what others' opinions, but but also there's sometimes you can start creeping forward, kind of like Jonathan and his armor bearer were doing. They actually had started going towards the enemy. I wonder if it's the Lord. Sometimes you can do that and just see if if the Lord uh, shuts the door or not. So so Jonathan gets the green light from the Lord, and man, he uh, uh, he says, uh, "Come on!" Uh, at the end of verse twelve. He says, come, he says to his armor bearer, I love this part of the verse two, come up after me for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up um, on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan. And as he uh, came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter uh, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. Verse 15, and there was trembling in all the camp. This, I believe, is talking about the Philistine camp now. In the field and among all the people, the garrison, meaning the Philistine garrison, and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. You know, sometimes it just takes you moving forward by faith, and there are signs and wonders that will follow. It's not the other way around, by the way. Sometimes people get those confused. We don't seek after signs and wonders. We live by faith and sometimes God chooses to follow it up with signs and wonders. Verse 16, Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude of Philistines melting away. And they went here and they went there. And then Saul said to the people who were with him, now call the roll and see who has gone, up, gone from us. And then and when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while saul talked to the priests that the noise which was in the camp of the philistines continued to increase so saul said to the priest withdraw your hand and then saul and all the people who were with him assembled and they went into battle and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor there was great confusion moreover the Hebrews were with the Philistines before that time who were went out with them into the camp from the surrounding country they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan likewise all the men of Israel who had hidden the mountains of Ephraim when they heard the Philistines had fled they also joined they also followed hard after them in the battle, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth Aven. And so we see here the what uh, this this great move of God that God had done as a result of Jonathan's faith. It was the Lord, Jonathan. Tested the will of the Lord um, the Lord affirmed it. He went forward and all the people in Israel who were trembling Turned into men of faith and and it says the battle it, it says uh, It says the Lord saved Israel that day now the conquest um, of the Philistines um, was going to be um, Completed not until the time of David which is going to be a lot later and that was because of really the disobedience of uh, of saul but um it's beginning here um and and it's going to end with david let me just pause for a second um can you uh danielle if you're looking can you text my daughter elise and ask her if the prayer groups are ready i told i think i may have told you 8 30. I'd meant to tell you a little earlier than that. So she's going to give me the the thumbs up. While we're waiting for that response, I want to um, uh, uh, take you back to to this to this picture here, where Jonathan is beginning to uh, Jonathan is beginning to uh, uh, battle. All the Israelites are joining him. the The Philistines are turned back. the the God is giving them a taste of how the, just the faith of Israel um, it, what, that, that God is going to honor faith and turning back to God is going to be a great thing for them and that God's going to be go glorify himself uh, in the process. Notice that Saul at first doesn't know what's going on. He it, it says that a watchman of his in verse 16 is looking out over the Philistines and they're all fleeing and Saul's like what is going on and it says there that uh he says bring the verse 18 bring the ark of god here and um and he asked it says in verse 19 that he talked to the priest and that was for the purpose so the priest could tell him through the the and the thuman whether or not they were supposed to go into battle now we do verse by verse on Uh, we do verse by verse on 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 Tuesday nights what is going on there because it says there that uh, in verse 19 it it says eventually Saul said to the priest just withdraw your hand well here's what I think is happening there Uh, this is the character of Saul once again it's in decline Um, and he's, 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 he's remember what happened Uh, in chapter 13 where there was um, a battle and uh, that Saul was told to wait seven days he didn't wait seven days he jumped forward with the doing the sacrifice himself and uh, and then he was rebuked by Samuel for doing so it appears to me that this is the same kind of character the bible says wait upon the lord wait upon the lord and you will not be ashamed psalm 25 3 in other words he's going to respond to you either yes or no or wait and you have this character of saul here where um he says he sa- he's, it says in verse 19 that he started hearing the noise of the philistines he started hearing commotion and he basically says to the priest who was waiting on an answer at this time from the priest who again has that breastplate of judgment there's the urim and the thurim he's waiting on the priest's answer and he basically says oh don't worry about it I'm just gonna go out anyway myself and, 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 and again I, I, I feel like this is once again the lesson here is just because things are getting intense around you just because things are getting intense around you stay with the lord and hear his voice get into that quiet, quiet place be still before the lord uh the, the the song says and listen to him and 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 don't don't move forward unless you like jonathan hear from the lord okay now go and again it's fine to test them but go but this is in my opinion it's and by the way not all the bible commentators agree with me on this point but this is to me is just so irreverent and he's waiting for the answer and, and from the high priest and, and he was waiting in the way that the law of Moses told him to in the book of Exodus and, and, and he just says, oh don't worry about it let's just go for it but um, because actually the reality was is that the Lord was was doing battle for Israel anyway he was turning the Philistines against each other and this type of thing um, but uh, Uh, We're going to be learning more about Saul and great contrast between Saul and his son, uh, Jonathan, great contrast between um, Saul and, 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 of course, David.